Hola, compadres, and welcome to episode 45 of Dad's Talking Dads. This is a podcast about your favorite baseball team, the San Diego Padres. My name is Johnny, and I am joined by my fellow compadre, Tony. Tony, what's new with you? Hello, Johnny. Uh, We are both commiserating a little bit here, uh, coming off of various stages of being sick, as I'm sure many people are or have been or are scared they're going to be so um outside of that that's kind of just been uh what's very recent but in terms of that uh you know holidays holidays were good um january is a busy month for me work-wise so kind of uh just coming out of the tail end of that actually so uh, it's been really busy the first what are we yeah we're in the last week of january now so the first three weeks were super busy got sick and now it's kind of like feel like I'm actually coming up for air uh, but February will be very slow and we are even closer to baseball so overall feeling pretty good uh, happy to be on the closer to healthy than sick so that's kind of how I'm feeling how about you yeah I am I feel, I think I'm maybe a day behind you um, in the sickness because uh, yeah like you were saying I'm sick pretty much everyone is sick um it's kind of nuts uh there is the uh coronavirus now which is uh reminiscent of the uh the uh dosekis epidemic of 1885 of course as we all remember sorry i I thought of that like a half an hour ago and i had to share it (laughs) but um but yeah i same thing i'm just excited to be closer to spring training um a month away for you yeah 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 well and um i have tickets i have a ticket uh to the february 23rd game um against the brewers so i'll get to see our boy weed show i think i talked about that maybe on the last pod but um very excited about that so maybe he's injured i believe that's true yeah i think his ankle his wrist i think wrist just kidding Not, not not great for a middle infielder the arm ankle not 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 good to have the old arm arm ankle injured yeah no he, he's gonna good. need that, that and, that's and, a useful and, piece. and that usually especially with those wrist injuries a lot of times it's like that it saps the power which uh he does not have <laughs> no no he kind of needs that so the little bit you know the the, the, the bit that he has so mm-hmm. um we're gonna be talking about spring training today but before we get into that uh we're first gonna talk about the outfield um obviously there's been you know between the um tommy fam trade uh where we shipped out hunter renfro um getting trent grisham uh potentially moving will myers for uh you know some some bets fellow i don't know um, so there's some there's some moves that have already taken place, some other ones that may yet happen. Um, but I kind of wanted to take a look at the outfield and, and, and see what your uh, ideal outfield alignment and mine as well. I guess we should share them with each other. Um, but what your ideal outfield is for 2020. Um, so, Tony, we'll, we'll start with you. What, what uh, left to right, what are you thinking or at least hoping for? So uh, I mentioned this in the pre-show that I had a couple questions, but I was going to save them until we're recording. And I guess my question is, I'm kind of unclear as to where current players will actually slot in right now. So is uh, Fam primarily a right fielder? A uh, left fielder. <laughs> okay. If that is the case, 
I mean, ideal is a tricky word because it's it's kind of like uh, building. It's kind of like constructing with the tools and materials you have. So, uh, fam is locked into left field. That's uh, non-negotiable in my opinion. I think he is everyday starter there, uh, barring any kind of injury or unforeseen circumstance. Center field, it looks to be a platoon of Margot leading the way. And I don't even want to say the name because if I say his name, he's going <laughs> to get injured. But Cordero, uh, I have no faith in <gasps> Franchi. Yeah, I have no faith in Franchi. And it's nothing personal, but like, come on. It, we just, we can't depend on him. You know, until he proves us otherwise, I view him as a non-factor. So I'm going fam and left, Margar or Margot slash whoever else in center field. Like oh, I, I guess okay. it's technically Franchi, but not feeling strong about it. And then yeah. right, I guess it's also a platoon of Myers and Grisham. Now I think that is. Uh, platoon for now, it's tough because it's kind of like the Eric Hosmer situation where you we absolutely should be platooning them. But there's so much money and ego invested into Myers. And I'm not talking about Myers' ego. I'm talking about the front office and the coaching staff's ego of like, well, we are committed to this player. How do you, how do you platoon $20 million? <laughs> it's ridiculous. But at some point, you have to look at the numbers and say, look, it's just got to happen. It's like Hosmer with... Uh, left-hand batters like we just have to start platooning him I'm, I'm sorry but it's just you have to do it eventually otherwise yeah uh, it's just foolish so I, I guess ideal outfield is fam marco i'm just gonna say grisham flat out now there yeah. are platoons and backups there but i just i don't know it feels like myers kind of is he seems like done he, he just doesn't seem uh, determined or I hate to say like, oh, it doesn't seem like his head is right, but it just kind of does seem that way. He just seems kind of like spacey a little bit where he gets in these really bad slumps and it's just he's overextending himself or whatever it is. And he's just swinging at everything, like hoping it connects or something. He, uh, it's really weird. And he's kind of always been like that, a little bit of a hard to read dude. Because he seems so chill and down to earth, but then he—I don't know if that is the actual problem, where he just like gets into a rut and he's like, "Oh, well, I'm here now." And it's like, "Well, you could—you're talented, dude. Like, you have the raw talent. We all know he's got all the tools and athleticism to succeed. Uh, a lot of those injuries he had in the past were freak accidents or bad luck or like fouling something off of his ankle and it like hits the bone, and you know you can't do anything about that. So I. I want to believe that he can bounce back, but it's just really tough to tough to imagine that happening. So my ideal outfield actually doesn't include Myers at all. It would be great if we could offload him, but I think we will get to that talk in a little bit. So with the, yeah. with, the with the tools we have, Fam, Margot, Grisham. Okay. Left to right. I can get down with that. That's yeah. That, I mean, that's mine. Looks. Pretty 
similar. It's got some differences, so I'll kind of get into mine here. Fa- yeah, so yeah, fam and left. I, I field. know who you're gonna bring up. You got to talk about it, him. I, I know who you're gonna bring up. That's why I didn't talk about him at all because I wanted to save all the <laughs> all the glory for you to get into it. Oh man, um, but uh, but yeah. So so fam left field for me. Um, barring injury, he just starts there as often as he can. Yeah. Um, so he's yeah. Uh, center field. I actually, I, I want, I would like to see because I'm assuming Franchi Cordero gets hurt. Um, Margot and Grisham platooning because hmm. um, Grisham's a left-hander, uh, Margot's right-hander. Uh, so you get just that that lefty-righty split. Um, and Grisham can can kind of play all three outfield positions. He did. He's kind of done that throughout his throughout his career. Um, and and I kind of want to get into because since he was uh, kind of the main piece that we got back in the Luis Arias trade, um, I kind of wanted to look into his numbers a little bit more, specifically his offensive numbers, um, because you know whatever. Well, defense varies year to year, and it's so subjective. And um, but uh, but I was looking at his his offensive profile in StatCast. And I noticed, kind of interestingly, that he loves the ball low and away, which is kind of um, not the most ideal place to, to hit it, usually, for most guys. Um, but he, I mean, he does he does an okay job with it. But his, his best exit velocities occur in the, basically, the outside and, and bottom third of the strike zone. And his the the um, amount of batted balls that he has is the most in that in that area of the strike zone as well. Most barrels are in that area of the strike zone. Most you know most uh, uh, you know highest hard hit percentage is is just basically in that kind of low outside area. And I'm fine with him doing that if because it, it seems like he's he's decent at it. Um, it's it's where he probably swings at the most. It seems I don't know if that's just where he's most comfortable hitting it. Um, but he does a he does a a decent uh, enough job with it that I'm I'm fine with it. But what I want to see him do is expand to more of the inside because he mm-hmm. definitely I mean just based on what I'm seeing here struggles with those inside pitches. Um, lowest exit velocity is is on the inner third of the plate. Um, and let me actually I had a couple stats up here as well to to kind of go through. Um, so, I mean, I'd love to have him add that, but the, the other kind of, uh, thoughts that I kind of had as, as I was looking through it is I just want him to swing more. Mm-hmm. Um, his scouting report kind of always has been that he's a really passive, uh, hitter. Um, and the numbers definitely bear that out. Um, he has a swing percentage that is 8% below league average. So he swings the bat 8% less than, than just the average hitter. Um, even in his his zone swing, so swings inside that pitches inside the zone, eight percent lower than league average. He swings at fifty four percent of the time. League average is sixty six. Excuse me, that's twelve percent. I can do the maths. Um, <laughs> his first pitch swing percentage is half practically of the league average. League average is twenty eight percent. He's at just under sixteen. Um, so I mean, and he's pitchers are taking advantage of that because he is getting pitched inside the zone 3% more than the average hitter. Um, he's even getting more meatballs, almost, uh, I believe it was 0.8% above league average on meatballs 
still only swung at them less than league average. So even the the very hittable pitches that he's getting, he's not swinging at them. Um, he is an on-base machine. He is very patient. Those things I like, but I want to see him swing the bat at hittable pitches more often because it's one thing to wait and wait for your pitch, but it's another thing to just wait and wait and wait and then just maybe hope that you get a walk at some point. Um, I don't want... I, I'm, I'm worried that you know, that that's a little bit more of like a, a J.D. Drew profile. He was kind of notorious for, for loving to get walks and didn't really swing the bat nearly as often as he could. Um, the nice things when I when I was looking at his at his stat cast there, he does chase uh, pitches outside the zone less often, which is kind of related to that. Just he just doesn't swing as often. Um, but he also has a whiff percentage uh, whiff rate um, under league average. So he's when he does swing, he hits the ball. Um, you know, at, at a at a higher average. Um, so yeah, basically, I want whoever worked with Josh Naylor on his pitch recognition, and I'll get into him in a second. Um, but he was he was a guy that I think in 2018, he um, if I remember correctly, that was kind of his big thing. Is he really worked on what he was swinging at and swinging at the hittable pitches, the the, the pitches that were kind of in his wheelhouse, and had a stellar 2018 and, and a good 2019 as well. I want Trent Grisham to do that as well. Now that he's now that he's changed his grip on the bat back to his golf swing, I want to see him take those meatballs, take those hittable pitches, and start driving them because um, he has the ability to do so. It's just a matter of getting the bat off of his off of his shoulders. So um, I was I that that was kind of just my my impression looking at Grisham. So um, so far I have Fam in left, um, Margo and Grisham platooning uh, in center. And then in right, um, assuming that he is still here on opening day, I have Will Myers and Josh Naylor platooning. And I not blow my nose, but, well, I might just blow my nose. Hang on. Uh, see, day behind. Just can't wait till this is done. The uh, I'll pick up here. The uh, aforementioned hint that I was going for it was indeed Naylor. Uh, oh, yeah. For listeners, Johnny has <clears> – he is – a Quantrill-esque infatuation with Josh Naylor building where there is there there are no sky is not even yeah. the limit. Well, oh yeah. Atmosphere is the limit for these two players. They will be perennial right. all-stars. They will out war Mike Trout eventually. It is Is, it is Josh is, Naylor the next David Ortiz? I don't know. But you're not gonna say he's not. Exactly. We can't say he's not. <laughs> I yeah I, I I will always I'm gonna always bang the drum for Naylor especially as as people rightly point out to me when I when I comment online and worry that he might get traded is DH is probably coming to the National League in the next two seasons um, we will have a place for him when that happens uh, he is what I think 22 um, yeah. 23 somewhere in there so just ridiculously I love Myers against left-handed pitching and if he is only doing that and he's able i mean maybe taking time off and and not constantly being out there is maybe good for him i mean i like i really i really don't know because we've kind of tried different yeah. things and maybe That's... just sticking him in one position and and just you know putting him in a position to succeed basically that's the um, thing we, we just don't know with him that's the hardest yeah. part is like i feel he like because the first it was the injuries and it's like oh if only he didn't have all these freak injuries and it was ah well stop moving him around the diamond stop playing him at third and 
first and all the different outfield spots like put him in one spot and then we did that and yeah then he just that had that horrific rut last year where it was just the numbers are brutal you're talking like 45 percent strikeout rate like not making any contact the terrible base running when he actually did get on he would get like uh get tagged up on first and it's like oh my god dude you're just there's no redeemable uh, like you got to give us something and it yeah it's just we just don't know that's the thing i it just it, when that many things happen and it's like there's always something you start to think like man maybe it's just maybe it's time to move on i don't know so um i i am definitely not opposed to platooning him i definitely worry about Naylor's defense and right field but I mean yeah. it, it's it's the same problem we had last year where it's like you have too many players with not enough spots and you have to figure out who gets it I, I think the only everyday you don't touch it is fan and left field and I think everybody would agree with that I'm sure coaching and front office agrees with that too but everything else is just they have this uh, awful position of having to do you lean on youth? Do you lean on these uh, high upside players like Grisham where it's like, well, you've invested some prospect capital into acquiring him. Why would you platoon him? But at the same time, it's like, well, are you ready to call the Manny Margot experiment a quote-unquote failure and move on from that? It's just, it's, I do not envy the position of having to figure it all out because I, it's tough. It's really hard. Remember that time we traded Craig Kimball for Manny Margot, <laughs> Javi Guerra, and Anderson Espinosa? That was yes. fun. How, how, how many uh, pitches has Espinosa thrown, by the way? Uh, maybe nine. He might be in the double digits <laughs> at this point. I, you know what's sad is Javi Guerra's thrown more pitches than Anderson Espinosa. <laughs> Javi Guerra like, is a That's short the real stop. fucking travesty there. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's not great. No, not ideal. Oh, and, I was sorry. Quick note on Grisham. That to, I, and and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to Naylor in a second. But quick note, I was actually re-looking at his numbers on StatCast. I want to make a quick correction. He likes it uh, outside and and specifically in the middle low. That actually low outside area he struggles a bit with but likes to swing there a lot. So I'd like mm-hmm. him to stop doing that. Yeah, quick, I was uh, just say. quick correction there. If you could please stop at the low outside. Outside, fine. Low, fine. Low outside, mm-mm. Yeah, and that's a good correction because with him being a left-hand batter, if he is swinging all the time at low outside corner, he's just going to yeah. get gobbled up by left-hand pitchers. They're just going to constantly throw junk all the way down totally. to the corner. And if he swings at it every time, it's like it's impossible to hit it. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, just, you're not going to. Like You simply have to know better than that. And he's young, so I mean... You know, that, that is something that certainly can be worked on. That is not a red flag to me at all. It's worth noting, and it's definitely important data, but uh, more something to monitor than something to be worried about yet. Yet. So, um, in the words but, of. Mm-hmm. I, do, I do recall when the trade happened, I do remember people saying that he was patient, sometimes to a fault. So, hearing you read that, it, it definitely is ringing the bell of right after the trade happened. People were like, oh, you're going to love his eye until. Yeah, he gets uh, like timid, if you will. So yeah. I mean, I mean, he's a big dude. Like, swing at it. Yeah, especially at the first pitch, dude. Just up yeah. that first that first pitch swing percentage, because more often than not, that is a fastball for sure. Absolutely. Like, so. Swing, swing at the first, and then lay off the junk that they're going to be throwing after that. Yep. 
Yeah. So, um, but yeah, as far as Naylor, I mean, I, I do think another, cause he is new to the outfield. He, he came up as a first baseman. So he's, I, I, I actually, I like his speed. He, he is kind of faster than you would expect. And if, and if shift wise, he's in the right areas, um, he should be okay. Um, my, I, cause the issue is fam is not. Uh, a great fielder. He's not like awful, but he's not great. And Myers is okay, but better in left. Um, and Naylor is as far as far as at least right now below average um, yeah. defensively. Margot is really good defensively, and Grisham is fine in center, but probably better in the corners. So yeah, yeah. The, the the big worry there is the outfield defense. But man, Fam. And then, I mean, uh, but I, I just, I like the platoons because I feel like that's just what smart teams are, especially the Rays are doing now. It's just have the best, just the best lineup out there as far as, you know, just uh, matchups. Um, it may, you know, hurt some guys as far as getting into the groove specifically, but for guys like Myers, who knows, maybe it helps. We'll see there. But one potential, you know, uh, I guess plot twist that could occur the there have been talks uh, with the Red Sox and the Padres, and apparently as of this morning, Red Sox and Dodgers bleh, um, about trading for Mookie Betts. Um, the Red Sox want to get under the luxury tax. The Padres would love to have Mookie Betts on their team and would like to get rid of Will Myers' salary. So the Red Sox could ostensibly absorb the Myers money, and we take Betts um, for his uh, last year of his contract right now. And uh, there would be some 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 other pieces um, in there. Allegedly, according to uh, AJ Preller, uh, at least reports from uh, people who have spoken with him, uh, Mackenzie Gore, Luis Patino, CJ Abrams, and I don't think I heard Taylor Trammell, but maybe um, would be off the table. I don't think I actually heard Trammell's name because he could be an interesting piece in that. I remember um, reading that it was the top five. So I top think that, five. Okay, so then so yeah, Tremel would be in that list, and Trammell. I think Camposano as well. Yeah, right? he's either five or six. It's Gore, okay. Coutinho, Abrams, Tremel, and then yeah, probably probably Camposano. So far, I, I would just kind of be all for that, assuming <laughs> that he that Mookie Betts would resign with us for at least like two years. Like if he wants to do a two year, and then you know whatever I, I mean i would rather a long-term extension but like i don't want to be all beggars can't be choosers but if we're giving up will myers and his contract and then outside of the top five prospects and we get three years of mookie bets that's worth it for me i don't know what I, about you i am going to come in here with a perhaps hot take i don't care if it's for one year do it i and I have kind of come around on this after thinking about it. Yeah. I just, I mean, there is so much to be said about prospect and prospect hoarding and all the hype around prospects, but I think you only need to look at our recent stretch of prospects to realize that they are few and far between that really, really hit. Uh, it's, it's crazy to think that Corey Spangenberg was a first round pick. Hunter Renfro was a first round <laughs> pick. And those are Eric Lauer was a first round pick. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> the best of those is honestly probably Renfro, but it took years to develop into being a quote unquote everyday player. 
yeah. you don't you don't get your paddocks and your Tatises as often as you think. I mean, this is the first time we've seen like prospects truly, truly hit for us. Granted, people will say, well, what about Trey Turner? What about Kluber? What about um, who's the other? Uh, what about Max Fried on the Braves? Like Shane yeah, Vigerino. The- yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, yes, you can say that, but I, I'm a little bit hesitant to do that because we don't know if the development that turned them into a star could be attributed to the team that they were traded to. Mm-hmm. I mean, we clearly have a problem developing hitters at the major league level and have forever. We're on our 37th hitting coach in the last 10 years or something. Like, we change it all the time. So I, I don't even want to get into the prospects that were traded away. I just want to focus on the ones that did make their way up here. And they're just kind of, they're fine. They're fine. Yeah. Joey yeah. Fuego is good. He's a good, for us, he's like a number two. But realistically, on a playoff team, he's like a number four. And that's fine. Back back of the end, rotation is super important. That should be strong. Yeah. But uh, we're looking at Paddock as like a two or a three. Tatis is like a superstar, but that's like our first one in forever. And the more I think about that, the more I think, just do it. Who, especially if Gore is off the table, I'd say anybody else, just just do it. Like yeah. I, when you have a superstar like that, even if it's only for a year, I'm just, I don't know. Maybe I'm exhausted of all the prospect hype. Like I'm exhausted from like being the number one farm is great, but have like what are we trying to win minor league championships <laughs> like i i'm sorry that just it doesn't matter to me as much <laughs> and i just think you get to a point where you have the best farm and you have the depth and i think we do have the depth to be able to trade off the top you got to move some of those pieces because i mean even looking at this you have uh we have uh some names listed here that we're going to get into for the second discussion topic and they're kind of like the top top tier position players that are going to be making their way up. And we're looking at uh, Owen Miller, Hudson Potts, mm-hmm. uh, CJ Abrams, a Taylor Trammell. You don't even have enough positions for those guys. Yeah. Like you, you can't have all those people. And I'm not saying that like Hudson Potts is going to get as Mookie bets, but if you need to get rid of a, uh, a Campusano who's like five or six for us, but probably would be like a one or two prospect on a weaker team. I think you have to start thinking about it. And that's even without uh, re-signing from Mookie. I just think eventually you have to do something that puts the team on the next level and having a bunch of prospects that are possibly uh, 4A players isn't going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think even, you know, just looking at, like, our, our prospect, our top 30 from a couple years ago, and you see that, you know, we were like, Morajone, Baez, they're going to be staples in the rotation. They're going to fucking yep. lock it down. And, like, now we don't know what their role is. Like, as much as I love Cal Quantrill, I think he's probably just going to be a bullpen guy, um, yeah. which is fine because he... Another first-round pick, decent right? At that. Yeah, another first-round pick. Um, yep. <laughs> I mean, like you said, Renfro kind of stalled a little bit, so... I think taking advantage of guys who who have a really good year because I mean, ultimately we have Francisco Mejia and I love Luis Camposano, but he's effectively Francisco Mejia. Um, I, I he's an offensive catcher who's getting better at defense. I we already have that at the major league level, and he had an over 800 OPS in the second half. So I don't know 
yeah. why we're like, and I, I don't, it's not that I don't like Luis Camposano. I'm just so tired of catching prospects getting hyped because they never fucking pan out yeah. ever. Like Buster Posey is the only one in yeah. my lifetime <laughs> yeah. who's been basically what he was billed to be. Joe yeah. Maurer wasn't that Joe Maurer got injured. Um, like Jason Kendall was a little before my time. So, but I mean, that's like a hall of famer. That's one in thousands right there. Um, but just, I mean, like so many catching prospects year after year after year are just like, this guy had a half decent year at, at uh, high A ball. He's our number two prospect now. Well, that's great. But in four years, he's going to be injured and you don't know what to do with him. And he stalled out in AAA. Like nine times out of 10, that's how catching prospects go. So it's yeah. not that I don't like Luis Camposano, but take advantage of this year, which was probably I mean, just a, like chances are probably going to be the best one of his career. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, he just, he just went off in, in, in the California league. So like, if you can send him Will Myers, um, you know, send, uh, you know, more or Baez, And then I feel like it, they give them another, like, um, low level second base or shortstop prospect who has a lot of potential, but we're probably not going to see for three seasons, nor do we need another shortstop prospect. Um, yeah. Send all that and, and yeah, get Mookie bets. Um, I feel like, yeah, maybe even for a year on that, that'd, that'd be fine. I know everyone's so fucking hyped on Camposano, and I don't, yeah. it's not that he's not good. It's just like we've seen this so many times, and it just. Hedges was our number one prospect for years. And yeah. I mean, he, he has value. I'm, even with all my personal opinions, which is trade him aside, he clearly provides value. But I just. It is so skewed in one direction that it is he provides so much value in one area of the game and is such a anchor in the other areas yeah. that I would prefer a more well-rounded player, someone like Mejia, who is more balanced. He, he is not a superstar defensively, and he's not a superstar offensively, but he's more in the middle, and that's fine for your catcher. Yeah. Like, that's fine. I, I just... <clears throat> like, can you imagine Mookie Betts? I, just think about it for a second. Even for a year, that's crazy. That's, yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I think I'm just kind of exhausted of prospects. And it's it's been nice to see Paddock kind of pan out. Because for a second there, you, you start to wonder, like, man, if this doesn't work, it, how demoralizing can it get? Yeah, You know, like, some of these have to hit. And it looks like Paddock is going to hit. Tatis is obviously going to be just fine. And I, from all, it's looking like Gore is going to be another one that we can kind of bank on. But outside mm-hmm. of that, you're you're just it's gambling, basically. I agree. I mean, it's it, at least on the prospect fatigue. Um, it, it is officially. It's we're kind of in the put up or shut up mode now. We've we've gathered enough, you know, prospects. It's time to actually. You know, either consolidate them into a superstar, or bring up the ones that are going to, you know, contribute this season and next. So, so yeah, my only concern with one year of Mookie Betts is if it's like the Justin Upton situation where we have him for a season and he's like okay, and then he's gone. That would that would that would be a bummer. But even then, it's like you lose a catching prospect. You weren't probably weren't gonna see Will Myers, which just clears up the outfield. Um, a bullpen arm, which we have a surplus of, 
and a low-level prospect who we weren't going to see for three seasons. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that's, yeah. I, I want to be clear that this Mookie thing, I, a huge part of it is offloading Myers to me. Because even though you take that initial, even if we have to pay majority of Myers' contract, I I think you do it. Because it's just, it frees up a question mark in the outfield. And even if you're eating some of the money, you're saving some as well. And you may be taking a higher financial hit this year for Mookie, but A, he's worth it. And B, you have increased flexibility in a few years, which is important. I mean, it it's... It's very important. And I mean, when you talk about money, I mean, there are just some players where it's like, you pay what they're worth. Mookie Betts is one of those players. If if you can get him for 10 years, $400 million, <laughs> sign the check. Like, he he's worth it. And you just don't, you don't get those opportunities that often. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, there there, there is the chance, you know, kind of like... Uh, with Kawhi where, you know, he's there and then we just try to court him for a year and, you know, then he wants to stay and Yeah. Um let's get me too distracted. Mommy got those for you? Oh my goodness, so mommy did end up going to the store. No. <laughs> oh, okay. No worries. I got you. Do you want this? Sorry, I just opened it for you. It's for me? Oh, I love you, baby. <laughs> my kid's the best. Got me a strawberry lollipop. What up? Nice. Strawberries her favorite. Actually, blueberries are her favorite. This kid goes fucking wild. Like, we'll buy like those big three or four pound bag of blueberries at Costco, and they're gone in like a week. Like the the frozen ones. Mm-hmm. She just loves them. So yeah, I I, I think you know take your shot. Like we, you know, as uh, 2015 was kind of a disaster, but man, it was really fucking fun. <laughs> like <laughs> that was the first fun Padres season, and like. Since I don't know, like, half decade, quite least. a while. Um, Since 2010, so, I'd argue. Yeah, probably. So, so yeah, I don't know. Fingers crossed. I would love Mookie Betts. Who wouldn't? Um, the only issue is he's a left fielder. So then, you know, do we put him in center? Do I guess we would put him in right? Right? I'd be fine. I'd just figure him in it center. out. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, just throw him in, in center. In the words of. In the words of the laziest show on Netflix, Treehouse Detectives, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. It's like this kid's show, and that is one of the songs. Like, that's it. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> the laziest show they put together. I don't know. They, I think they had, like, two people working on it for a total of ten minutes. Netflix, that is the laziest shit I've ever seen. Damn. Shots yeah. fired. Yeah, Netflix. That is Eat a shot across the bow. That's right. Lazy. Damn. You're taking your money to Amazon. That's right. Oh my god. We got we we got Disney Plus, which I wasn't planning on doing, but we did. Mm. And I'm as much as I don't want it, I really fucking love it. It's just <laughs> everything. I was having I was having Ari watch Goof Troop this morning. Nice. We had Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Just so many, so many classics. Mickey Mouse is listening and just relishing in those words. I'm going to take all your money. He he will. He has and he will. (laughs) Gimme, 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 gimme. Um, So, 
we, 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 we've talked about some of these names here that we're going to get to in just a second. But um, the second thing I wanted to go over was going over the um, spring training uh, prospect invitees. Um, and uh, I'll quickly kind of go through the names and, and their basic information. But um, I wanted to focus on which is your favorite to make an impact on this team in 2020. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, the candidates. From AA San Antonio, left-handed pitcher, Mackenzie Gore. From AA San Antonio, right-handed pitcher, Luis Patino. From AA San Antonio, outfielder, Taylor Trammell. From High A Lake Elsinore, catcher, Luis Camposano. From AA San Antonio, shortstop Owen Miller. From AA San Antonio, third baseman Hudson Potts. Also... From AA San Antonio, right-handed pitcher Reggie Lawson. And from AAA El Paso, right-handed pitcher Pedro Avila. The votes are in. Tony, who is your favorite to make an impact on this team in 2020? My favorite will be revealed in a second. But first, I must say, isn't isn't AA Amarillo oh, now? Oh, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, I do believe that the missions are now the Brewers AAA they team. Are. They are. God so damn it. The names remain it. the same, but no! it is not San Antonio. It's Amarillo. You know what? I think almost all... Oh, wait, no. I don't think any of them were missions, right? Because the missions... Did they change in 2018, right? Not 19. Yeah, I think 18. Yes. So none of these guys... Maybe Avila was the only former mission. <laughs> damn it. Damn it. Damn it. They're Saudis now. I'm going to do it all over. No, I'm just kidding. It's fine. All that remains the same. And come on. Yeah. It's big. It's Big Mac. It's Mackenzie Gore. It's... Big Mac? I mean, it, it's... I don't want to say it's not close, but it, in terms of making an impact in 2020, I think he's... I mean, Avila will probably make some appearances this year, just based on the fact that he's in AAA, and he had 5.1 innings pitched in the majors last year. But in terms of Im- big impact... It's going to be Gore. I mean, there's no question. I think we're looking at him, barring any kind of injury or something, uh, I think we're going to see him in the summer. Possibly earlier if the team hits a fiery streak and they're looking really good. Um, I. It's just, that's, you want to talk about reinforcements middle of the season. That's, oof, that's pretty dang good. And I just think he's he's just about ready for it. Again, barring any kind of if he has like a a weird issue or if an injury pops up, it's a different story. But I just think based on how they treated Paddock, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't do the same with Gore. I don't see why not. I mean, the window is opening right now. And uh, some people will say like, oh, so why are you rushing Gore in there? Uh, My counter is why wait any longer? He seems ready. The dude is, I mean, he had a great year last year. Uh, I, All signs are pointing towards him being a staple in this rotation for a long time to come. And I just think, why not get him up here sooner rather than later? And I'm not saying get him up here, put him in the number one spot and put all the weight of the rotation on him, but bring him up, put him in like the four or five spot rotation. And I mean, he's, that's like best four or five spot in the majors. <laughs> I just yeah. would love to see him get up. 
a little bit earlier, definitely earlier than September, and have him get his feet wet a little bit, have him work some stuff out. I mean, the, the pitch mix is there. It's just I want to see how he how he holds up against major league batters. Yeah, I think I think Gore is probably probably the 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 top choice there. I'm gonna go with Patino just so I can be different. Um, and I, I just, I, uh, I love both of their stuff, but, um, I, I would love to see all, to all of those top three names, Gore, Patino and Trammell, mm. um, on the team by like mid July. Yeah. That'd be nice. I, I like, and like consistently, not just on the team and like occasionally coming in here and there, but I, I would like to see all three making an impact. I'm going to say just based on pure gut um, that Patino uh, makes the biggest impact on the team for, for whatever reason. I'm not sure. But uh, but I'll go with Luis Patino on that one. So I mean, if that happens, that would be great because that means you basically can take your time with Gore. I mean, he's a top prospect. He's the yeah. top left-handed pitching prospect in baseball. Uh, it's when you have the luxury of time, it's kind of nice to be able to give him all the time to work whatever he wants to work on uh, in a quote-unquote safer environment in the minors where it's like there's no, there's less consequence, you know. He can yeah. uh, workshop whatever he needs to and kind of figure out the, the finest details of his uh, pitches before coming up. Uh, and it just kind of means that like Patino is, if, if he is, if your answer makes it and it is Patino, that means he is like skyrocketed on his development, which I mean, yeah, that, that'd be awesome. I think Trammell is a true outside shot only because he had a down year in the major, or, uh, minors last year. And with our current outfield situation, it's like, if we bring him up here, he's going to get minimal plate appearances. And I just, I'm so sick of that. I do not want another Luis Urias situation yeah. happening where he's oh, yeah. we're all clamoring like why the hell are you playing Ian Kinsler? And we'd be doing the same thing, like, why the hell are you playing Will Myers? Why the hell are you playing <coughs> insert name instead of Tramel? I just think I don't think he comes up until we make some room. And I think that'll happen, but I don't know when and I truly don't know where. There's just too many too many pieces. Some people have to be moved, and some people, I think, have to be uh, written off, if you will. Kind of thinking of like Margot. It's like this is this is your year, man. You either put it all together, or we just gotta we gotta explore elsewhere. So, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I think if if Trammell, if they did bring him up, there would need to be some other trade involving probably at least two outfielders. Um, yeah just for there because i mean he is another he's a lefty bat so if um <clears throat> if he were to you know come up he as well could platoon with uh with Margot. Mm-hmm. um you could even have you know him take right if naylor can platoon at first which is really just you know if eric hosmer will you know allow that, that so to great. occur um, so great. That's my yeah. I mean, that's basically my ideal. That was another thing when I was looking at Naylor is there's 20 interleague games in a season, so have him DH basically every game to get those 20 games in. Platoon him at first whenever possible, and you could even I mean because the man's got reverse splits and 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 is even better against lefties than righties. You could even platoon him with Grisham and and have him hit against the lefties. So the man can do it all. 
I guess now we'll get into uh, our fatherly advice for the show uh, before we uh, finish things up here. Oh, that's a great one. I like it. Um, so I'll start off this week. Uh, my fatherly advice, real just genuine fatherly advice. Uh, <laughs> I, I laughed when chill- I saw this, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, this is just a, a notice just to anyone who wasn't already familiar. Uh, your children are not your property. And this is a wild idea for some people for some reason. Um, you think that because your semen mixed up with an egg that you own this thing now for 18 <laughs> years. And that's just not how it goes. Your children, believe it or not, are people. They're not property. They're their own people with their own ideas and their own wants and needs and uh, even though they're children, it doesn't make them subhuman, which means that you shouldn't treat them like they're your property. That's it. <laughs> Johnny has definitely witnessed something in the past oh my uh, God. few weeks since Just... we've recorded that has spurred him yeah. to. And, and and I'm not hinting at it with that. With, I, I don't know, but there's no way you reach this kind of conclusion I, where you I feel just... you have to say it without witnessing some shit. Yeah, I just feel like I just see just too much, just too much parents and uh, really just both sides, moms and dads, just treating their kids crappily. Um, and, and it's just, it's not great. You know, you d- probably just don't tell your child, I'll give you something to cry about, because that just means you, you're planning on beating them. And really, just not something a parent should be doing. Just my two cents. You know, just call me crazy. If you have to beat your children, if you feel like you need to do that so that they will listen to you, then you're already fucking up in so many other ways <laughs> that you need to look at yourself first. <laughs> Some true fatherly advice this week. Yes. Oh, yes. Danny just gave me cornbread with jelly. Yes. <laughs> While Johnny digs into that, I will get into my fatherly advice. I mean, first of all, mm-hmm. fully fully cosign on that advice. I, mm-hmm. I mean, you could expand it to no no human is your property in any way, but it, it does there seem like it should be very apparent with children, but uh, you know, pe- people are pe- people are crazy. Um, I am going to go in a different direction. I am going to say that my fatherly advice this week is buy some tea. And what I mean by that is some tea to steep at home. Go to your Sprouts or your Trader Joe's or pretty much any grocery store at this point and get some tea bags, put some water on the kettle or your stovetop or, you know, in a saucepan or whatever you got and enjoy some tea. It's, I mean, we live, we both live in parts of the country that it's not going to get really cold. We're talking like 50s or 60s. So we're not dealing with like winter, winter. But even then, there's just nothing better than, like, end of the day. Johnny and I are huge coffee guys, but, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't really down coffee at, like, a 7 or 8 p.m. You can, but you're going to you're gonna be up for a little bit. <laughs> and tea, there's plenty of uh, non-caffeinated options. There's lots of, like, sleepy teas where they're meant to be enjoyed at night. And they're just lovely. I, I just, I, I truly cannot recommend it enough it's very easy the actual preparation of it is kind of zen like where you let it 
steep for 10 to 15 minutes. You cover it and you just kind of see it in there. It's like cooking. You're just waiting for it. It builds anticipation a little bit. It's just great. Tea's the best. Not as good as coffee, but it's the best. And I cannot recommend it enough. Buy some tea. Oh, also pretty cheap. You can get uh, like 12 to 16 or 20 bags for $4, $5. So uh, great economy there. I am recommending go buy some tea. I love it. Um, Danny has just, I, uh, she loves coffee, or at least, you know, loves how the caffeine interacts with her body. Um, but uh, it's just been like, just not agreeing with her stomach. And so. As coffee does like, for so many people. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I know. It's it's like my morning cleanse, but, um, but yeah, so she's been, she's been switching over to tea and, um it is it's like a fun little ritual similar to you know to coffee but for sure but yeah i love it um so we'll move on to uh our our uh, little plugs here for social media you can interact with us on twitter at dads talking dads um i am on twitter uh at john otavio o-t-t-a-v-i-o and um do you want to keep your twitter uh, a secret for now yeah, we'll, we'll keep it a secret for now. Okay, we'll, I like may, it. Maybe come baseball season, it will be revealed. Ooh. Um, and then uh, you can reach out to us through email, uh, dadstalkingdads at gmail.com. And, of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Uh, don't forget to tell your friends about the show, rate and review. Um, and, as always, my daughter's at the door. Uh, as always... Thanks again for listening. We'll be back at some time. Oh, wait, that's right. For this week of Dad's Talking Dads, I'm Johnny. I'm Tony. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next time with more Padres talk. Go Padres! Wee! Swing and fryer. I'm going to stop the recording. <laughs>